Welcome back. I'm Sindhu. And I'm Abhi. And you're listening to Hidden House. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing health literacy and how the use of medical jargon comes to affect the relationship between the physician and a patient. So Sindhu, what exactly is health literacy and medical jargon? Yeah, so medical jargon actually constitutes a lot of Latin terminologies and abbreviations and is commonly found and used throughout medical care. However, due to its complex nature, it tends to create barriers, um, both physically and indirectly, between a physician and their patient. So oftentimes when physicians are conversing with their patients and using complex medical terms and using language that um, might not be common knowledge, um, the patient's find this gap where they're not able to understand the physician. um, And it kind of creates this situation where good medical care is not able to be achieved because the patients are not able to comprehend and completely process um, what the physicians are telling them about their health. Um, And looking more closely at health literacy, um, we can kind of define, and in the United States at least, um, adequate functional health literacy can be kind of defined as being able to use and apply literacy skills um, to items that and materials that relate to your health, such as prescriptions, medicine labels, appointment cards, um, and directions for home health care. Got it. Right, so I was researching this, and I found that there's actually three different classifications for literacy. Um, so first we have basic slash functional literacy, which essentially means the person just has a sufficient basic skills in reading and writing to be able to be functioning effectively in everyday situations. So it's broadly compatible with the narrow definition of health literacy referred to, um, as you said. Uh, Second, we have communicative slash interactive literacy. And this is sort of one step ahead. Uh, It consists of more advanced cognitive and literacy skills, which together with social skills can be used to actively participate in everyday activities to extract information and even derive meaning from different forms of communication, as well Mm -hmm. as applying this information to changing circumstances for the person. And then finally, we have uh, the most advanced stage, which is critical literacy. Um, This is which cognitive skills, which again, together with social skills can be applied to critically analyze information and to use this information to exert greater control over life events and situations. So this is sort of where we would expect or even want um, patients to be as well as physicians. Um, Now, different levels of literacy progressively allow for greater autonomy and even personal empowerment. Um, But most importantly, progression between levels is not only dependent on cognitive development, but also exposure to different information slash messages. Absolutely. And I think kind of going off of that, um, we can look at why health literacy is so important in general, um, because it directly, as you said, relates to an individual's autonomy over their personal health, which is something that they should have complete control over um, as they you know, navigate a healthcare system, um, engage in care for themselves, manage um, their disease experience resilience as they're experiencing disease, um, discussing their history with their healthcare providers, um, understanding what probability and risk um, to certain conditions might be for themselves. 
And so there is that fundamental right to knowing about your health and to health information um, in general that allows an individual to make informed decisions um, and ensure that health is delivered in a way to them that is understandable um, and contributes positively to their health, longevity, and quality of life. However, unfortunately, um, if we you know, take a look at some statistics, um, over a third of adults in the United States, so about 36% of our population, or 75 million people, have below basic or only basic health literacy. Um, and a variety of sources have also kind of pointed out that the geriatric population tends to be the most vulnerable um, within that proportion, um, and that there was an, another independent study done by the Institute of Medicine that found that 90 million people in the U.S. have difficulty understanding and using health information. Um, so even just looking at a country um, like the United States, we already see that there is a gap and that there is a significant amount of the population that is not um, at a point where it can be um, assumed or understood that they have the health literacy necessary to have that complete autonomy over themselves and over their health. And you can just imagine what, if the stats are like this for a developed country like the U.S., you can just imagine what they can be for absolutely you know, poorer countries that may not have enough or adequate educational resources. Yeah, so health illiteracy can impact people in a variety of different ways. Um, for one, it can affect the way a patient adheres to a treatment regimen outlined by their doctor, which can then decrease its benefits. Um, and a result of poor health literacy, patients often misread or don't understand the instructions on prescription drug bottles and even nutrition bottles. And they struggle with responding to news related to health as well. Patients with low health literacy also tend to use the emergency department more often and are more, more likely to actually return after two weeks. Mm. Um, a systematic review found how general literacy can also impact parents slash caregiver behavior, which includes things like medication dosing, duration of breastfeeding, etc. The review also showed that low health literacy of par parents can impact their children's health outcomes and even their academic performance. So yeah, already you can see it's like an endless cycle, you know, yeah, exactly. poor academic performance lead to poor education and it just goes on and on. Um, parents also don't know how to locate and access affordable health care for themselves and their children, which makes things even worse because of, because a low health literacy has been linked to higher rates of hospital, hospitalization and a higher use of emergency services rather than preventive services. So as you may expect, both of these outcomes are associated with higher healthcare costs in the end. Um, so in terms of who is disproportionately affected by health illiteracy, this often is seen in racial and ethnic minority groups, especially those who don't speak English as a first language. Data from the National Assessment of Adult Literacy show that of these groups, Hispanic adults have the lowest average health literacy scores. Um, so people with low health literacy scores are reportedly twice as likely to have a poor health status. And these differences in scores can be accounted for a variety of factors, including socioeconomic status, living circumstances, age, disability, 
cultural beliefs, you name it. Wow. And I think that just kind of goes to show how, um, how strong of a presence, um, the kind of westernization and emphasis on English in medical jargon um, kind of, you know, presents itself to be because um, if someone's literacy is solely based on their ability to speak or understand English um, and that, you know, comes out to affect their health outcomes, I think that definitely, you know, points to a big red flag in the system for how things are organized um, that are not friendly to those who might not be fluent in English. Exactly. Yeah, and moving on from that, I think we can kind of see uh, both from a vertical standpoint and a lateral structural standpoint um, how improvements in health literacy can benefit a population. Um, looking more on a vertical plane, we can see that improvements in health literacy can allow individuals to make healthier lifestyle choices for themselves, um, you know, make better use of the health services around them, um, support effective use of those services, um, and allow them to maybe comply better with treatment regimens and understand um, the background behind those treatment regimens. Um, looking at a more lateral structure, we can see educational programs, community development programs that are kind of focused on achieving health literacy um, and improving um, health literacy through public policy and organizational practices, um, social action um, involving the community. And there, and through all of this, we can see that the social, economic, and environmental determinants of health that directly affect their health can be improved. Um, through these programs that focus both at kind of an individual level and, and look at the individual's lifestyle and also look at the systematic and structural issues um, and target those to overall better the health system as a whole. Got it. So I'm hearing that there's a lot that can be done to sort of close the gap between physicians and patients. Absolutely. Right. So you did talk about public policy and it turns out that a focus on public policy alone can actually be difficult to navigate, um, mainly because it can often result in structural interventions being carried out for the people without ever taking their voice into account. So in other words, on behalf of them instead of with them. Mm. Um, so the World Health Organization defines achieving health literacy as a goal, as sort of an ambition to get to. Um, so essentially, in order to fulfill this goal, it makes sense that the philosophy and structure of health education must be redesigned while taking into account the content and methods used. This, unfortunately, is a really big challenge for current health education programs that are supported by development and donor agencies, which are mainly focused towards achieving functional health literacy, as previously mentioned. So. Just as a recap, functional health literacy is the most basic form of health literacy and doesn't necessarily solve all the problems and close the gap between physicians and patients. Definitely. So improving health literacy calls for more distinct alliances between health and education sectors at the local, national, and international levels. The focus here is to actually empower the people with knowledge that they can act upon to support themselves and those around them through community-based outreach in a manner that allows them to become independent. So the role of the educator is to facilitate and not control. And I think you uh, summarize that really, really well. And we can see that actually through an example um, 
by looking more closely at the SAFE project um, in Bangladesh, which was a health education program focused on targeting diarrhea in the community as a result of poor water sanitation and hygiene. And so the program itself was kind of a large effort that was aiming to achieve and improve high levels of health literacy um, and its success, like the program success, um, was largely attributed to how the nature of the program was fundamentally grounded in working with the community um, and sometimes even under the guidance of the community to prioritize their health outcomes in an educational manner. And, you know, as a lot of the research studies were looking more closely at this project, I think they were able to identify a lot of the key elements of these programs um, that rendered it a success, such as identifying and analyzing the problem, um, defining and setting realistic and achievable solutions with very specific outcomes, um, collecting and analyzing information that was based and rooted in the beliefs, norms, and practices of the community, which is extremely important, interacting and being um, communicative with the community, um, leading to development of their skills and allowing them to kind of take over and um, grasp that ownership of the program. In addition to developing, testing, and refining all of the participatory extension methods and materials, um, and all of this kind of came together to create a behavior-based monitoring system to kind of track the progress, revise the strategies, um, and as a whole, and in essence, put the community first and kind of learn to view the community as more of like a partner in the project. Um, and when it called for it, a leader in their project and not, you know, the receiving end as um, can often be in many of the um, global health projects that we see. So I think the big takeaway here from everything that we've been talking about um, is kind of looking at how um, health work at a local level, um, at a public health level, and even at a global level is in need. And we're definitely seeing a lot of efforts uh, doing this, but I'm um, kind of putting an end to the unidirectional transfer of knowledge. Um, for example, at the global level, we can often see this going from the global north to the global south. Um, and there are just so many nuances and um, issues that kind of create an imbalance in power structures and perpetuate the disparities that we're seeing today. So I think it's calling for a transition towards working together um, with, for, and under the community as a means of bringing about change that reflect the community's best interests, um, prioritize those interests, and leave no room for biased perspectives and ideals. And so, like uh, you said, Abby, there is this you know, strong call for empowering the community through education, um, improving health literacy through interaction, engagement, and a collective sense of effort to pave the road for long-term change and really help diminish and break down so many of the barriers and disparities that we see that are riddling our systems today. And it's going to take a lot of effort and we're definitely seeing a lot of physicians, community health workers, um, researchers, so many individuals that are coming together to make this a reality, I think it's definitely gonna go a long way and hopefully we get to see it um, achieve this kind of sense of um, collective effort and collective success someday. All right, slow and steady wins the race. Always. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening to this episode of Hidden Health and we'll see you next time.